We are in 2 Samuel chapter 2. So I'll go through this and uh, we all still may have time to get to Cracker Barrel before they close. That was a joke. (laughs) Thank you. David is anointed the king of Judah. It's fascinating. There are some details in 2 Samuel that we do not find in 1 Chronicles. There are details in 1 Chronicles that we do not find in 2 Samuel. So we're jumping back and forth a little bit when we come to a particular time. And then say in 2 Samuel, it jumps to something else and we don't get some details that are given in 1 Chronicles. We'll go back to 1 Chronicles and God willing, this will all come together in the end. But here David is anointed the king of Judah. Saul is dead. His sons are dead, all except for one. The Philistines are the unquestioned power in the region. Whatever anybody does with regard to setting up another government in Israel, that person, that king will have to be aware of what the Philistines are doing and where they are. Almost like a vassal king, I guess. Although I don't think that, um, let me think, I don't think uh, Judah would pay tribute uh, to the Philistines. That would not be the godly thing to do. So two powerful personalities I see that hand. Are there others? Sonia, do I have to tell you again? Second Samuel chapter two. After class, I want you to write a thousand times. I will listen to the preacher. I will listen to the. <laughs> okay. Two powerful personalities arise. And two men are brought forth as king of, of, of the people. Of course, they can't work. But we'll see here how this all worked out. Now, remember, God has sent Samuel many, many years ago to anoint David, king of Israel, to take Saul's place. Saul denied and defied that even to the point of trying to put David to death. We've seen all that. Saul was a bad guy, really, and died. But even though Saul considered David his enemy, David never saw Saul as his enemy, although his men did, but David didn't. And trusted that the Lord would work it out, had his weak moment there where he went to live where the Philistines are. All that's behind them now. So David and his men have come back to Ziklag where they were living and now, verse 1, chapter 2, 2 Samuel. And it was after this that David um, inquired of Yahweh, saying, Shall I go up to one of the cities of Judah? David is of the tribe of Judah. Many of his previous adventures with his army that he had built were to protect people generally in the region of Judah, among the tribe of Judah. 
and even to the point of, of uh, fighting the enemy in their behalf and make, and at times giving them the spoils uh, that David had come upon in winning any kind of battle. Yahweh said to him, go up. And David said, where shall I go up? And he said to Hebron. And how's all this talking happening? We, we, we put the whole story together. Abiathar. Abiathar was the only son of Eli, the high priest who did not, or Eli, the high priest who was not slain by Saul. So he is the high priest. The high priest has the Urim and the Thummim. That's a, that's a, a rather vague thing. It means lights and perfections. Other, other rabbinical writings have come forward with perhaps synonymous meanings, but Urim and Thummim, lights and perfections. You probably are remember how we studied that back in Exodus. I'm sure you do. And it would give forth an indication. And it basically answered yes or no questions. That's basically what it did. So David would be getting his information from the high priest, Abiatar, uh, who had the Urim and the Thummim. And he was with David. Now Hebron it has a lot of history to it. That's I think that's where Abraham and Abraham and Sarah were buried. Caleb, 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 in the book of Joshua was eighty years old, and probably one of the hardest pieces of land and the most valuable pieces of land. It was renamed by Caleb Hebron, which means fellowship. And it was up high. It was high, high mountain. And, you know, grapes and honey were all there. Grapes of Eskel and the honey and all this thing. It was very rich and productive. So when they came into the land, only two of them survived the wilderness because they brought back a positive report when the group of 12 went out and uh, those were Joshua and Caleb. Caleb. So he gets first choice. And so Caleb said, I want that mountain. Now the, the uh, Anachim were there. That's the giants. They were giants and they were living in walled cities up in that place. And I'm sure it was a, a difficult task to go uphill and fight giants who were fortified in a city. But Caleb said, Caleb said to Joshua, this doesn't bother me. I'm as good of a man today as I was 40 years ago when the Lord said I could have that land. So here I go. And he, of course, defeated the Anachim. He, he took the the, the, the land, Hebron, and he's the one who named it. So it was named Hebron, the place of fellowship. It has rich history. And this is where David 
This is where the Lord, this is where Yahweh says for David to go now. At this moment in time, there is no government. There is no governing body in Israel. They've been used to a king for several, several years. They don't have that now. David, you'll note, seeks the Lord. He doesn't do anything before seeking the Lord. Now, that's why he was called a man after God's own heart. That is, he was in pursuit of the heart of God. We'll see the contrast between him and the other guy here. So the Lord, Yahweh says, go to Hebron. That's in Judah. David went up there and also his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And his men who were with him, David brought up or brought them up with him. Each man and his household. And they dwelt in the cities of of Hebron. So it's a general area that had outlying villages. And the men of Judah came there and anointed David as king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying that the men of Jabesh Gilead buried Saul. Judah starts out, well, we have to go all the way back to Israel, Jacob, Israel, when he was dying, Genesis 49 giving his blessing to his 12 sons from his deathbed, the blessing that he gave to Judah, his son, was that the line of Judah would be the royal line, that the kings of Israel would descend from Judah. So they naturally understood that uh, one of their own would need to be anointed king. Not only that, but as we've studied in previous times here, there was, there was this uh, division among the Israelites between Saul and David, a bitter division. David is just trusting the Lord and moving. Now, years have passed since Yahweh had Samuel to anoint David as king. So it tells us something about how, how the purpose of God goes. The purpose of God moves through, in this case, and maybe in every case, moves through, at least in this case, thousands, tens of thousands of lives. A lot has to be accomplished in the hearts and minds of people before David is finally anointed the king of Israel. God knows that. It would not have worked very well if David just came in and sought to keep, take the kingship immediately. He didn't do that. So here he's anointed by the men of Judah, by the leaders of Judah. He's anointed the king of Judah. Now Judah, numerically, there were more, there were more of the tribe of Judah than the other tribes put together. So Judah was very, very prolific in population. And the others, you put them all together and they wouldn't have been as big, numerically big as, as Judah. So this is very significant. David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, blessed be you to Yahweh that you have performed this kindness with your Adon, your Lord with Saul in that you buried him. 
And now, may Yahweh do with you kindness and truth. May Yahweh show kindness and truth to you. May you have the blessing of Yahweh because you did this good thing for Saul. And also I shall uh, requite you this, this kindness that you have done this thing. And now let your hands be strong and be valiant for your master Saul is dead. And also the house of Judah have anointed me as king over them. David makes a move here that is from his heart, but it has positive political overtones for David. These people are to understand that David is rightfully the king, but he's not going to push it on them. He's just going to remind them of what's already happened. But then a, a rival king arises, and Abner, the son of Ner, who was the general of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, Saul's son, and brought him over to Mahanaim. Now, in Mahanaim, the Philistines weren't busy. This was, this was an area that they weren't real involved with. They weren't that interested. So kind of a smart thing to put, to put this king in Mahanim uh, so that he won't be immediately threatened by the Philistines. Also, it might be that uh, since the army of Israel had this Saul's army had surrendered. Now remember, Abner was the head of, he was the commander of all of Saul's army, all the army guys. He also may have made some kind of a deal. Doesn't say so, but he could have made a deal that would give peace to the remnant of the people that were left, maybe in exchange for letting uh, Ishbosheth be the vassal king so whatever Philistia told him to do, that's what he would do. And he made him king, that is Abner made him, Ishbosheth, king over Gilead and over the Asherites and over Jezreel and over Ephraim and over Benjamin and over all of Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he became king over Israel and he reigned two years. But the house of David were but the house of Judah were after David. That is, they were following David. Now, the length of time which David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Okay. Seven and a half years, David is king only of Judah. This other guy reigns for two, Ishbosheth, he reigns for two years, and then there's a lot of confusion. And a lot of things are going on to create what would become the kingdom of Israel, where all the tribes were together. I think that's an important thing to take note of, that it's the will of God. It's the purpose of God. He's the man of God. Uh, he has the blessing of God. And yet in so many other ways, the world works against him. But still the purpose of God prevails and it it took, it took time. But then comes civil war. Here you have two kings 
You have this division between those who wanted to follow the household of Saul and those who wanted to follow King David. And that nature, and you still had two very powerful warriors. You had uh, you had Abner, uh, who was the commander of Saul's armies, and David, a warrior himself, who had his own army. And Abner, the son of Ner, and the, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out of Mahanim to Gibeon, and Joab, the son of Zeruiah. And David's servants went out and met together by the pool of Gibeon, and they sat down, these on one side of the pool and these on the other side of the pool. So what happens? These guys are like cousins, but they don't like each other. Each one is on the side that claims to be the rightful king. So you got these younger soldiers who are on one from a group from one side and a group from the other. And Abner said to Joab, so Joab is the general now of, of David's army. Let the boys get up now and play before us. And Joab said, let them get up. Well, that's not going to work out well. Um, they're going to probably, what are they? They're going to probably have staff fighting with sticks and then they'd wrestle and, and one thing would lead to another and it would just deteriorate, right? They got up and passed in number 12 of Benjamin and Ishbosheth and 12 of David's servants. Each one took hold of his fellow's head and his sword was thrust in his fellow's side and they fell together. So they started killing each other, <laughs> And he called that place the territory of those slain by the sharp swords, which is in Gibeon. And the battle was very sore on that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before David's servants. So you can see how this thing swelled up into a full-blown war between Abner and Saul's army and David's army. And the three sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. And Asahel was as light was um, was as light of foot as one of the deer which are in the field. He's a fast runner; he could run fast. Asahel pursued Abner and did not turn to go to the right or to the left from chasing after Abner. Now Abner's a tough guy; he's the general of Saul's armies. He's not one to be messed with. This other guy's a young, you know, tenderfoot. And Abner turned around and said, is that you, Asahel? And he said, it is I. And Abner said to him, turn you aside to your right or your left, take you hold of one of the boys, and take to yourself of his clothing. But Asahel did not want to turn aside from following him, from following Abner. Apparently he thought he could take Abner. And Abner continued further to say to Asahel, turn you aside from following me. Why shall I strike you to the ground? And how will I hold up my face to Joab, your brother? And he refused to turn aside and Abner struck him with the back end of the spear under the fifth rib. And the spear came out from behind him and he fell there and died in his place. 
ran him through with a spear. And it was that everyone who came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died stood still. Everybody takes a big swallow and they say, uh-oh, this is Joab's brother. Joab and Abishai pursued Abner. And the sun set when they came to the hill of Ammah, which is before Giah, by the way of the desert of Gibeon. And the sons of Benjamin gathered after Abner and became one band. And they stood on top of one hill. And Abner called Joab and said, will the sword forever consume? Did you not know that it would be bitter in the end? I mean, you know, if you go to war, somebody's going to die. Now, we will see that David's army overwhelmingly defeated. We'll see that at the end of this chapter. Had overwhelmingly defeated Saul's army and Abner's army. Abner's sort of calling for a truce here. He said, how many more of us are going to have to die? Let's, let's just stop. How many more of our people are going to have to kill their brothers? But Joab was smarting from the death of his brother at the hand of, of, of Abner. Joab said, as Elohim lives, for had you not spoken, then from the morning the people would have gone away, each one from after his brother. Joab blew the horn and all the people stood still and pursued Israel no more. And they did not continue to fight. And Abner and his men went through the plain all that night. They crossed the Jordan and went through all the Bithron and came to Mahanim. And Joab returned from after Abner and gathered all the people and there were missing of David's servants, 19 men plus Asahel. So there were 20 men slain after that battle. David's servants had slain of Benjamin and Abner's men, 360 men who died. And they carried Asahel and buried him in his father's grave, which is in Bethlehem. And they went and they went all, all night. They went all night and his men and the light broke upon them in Hebron. Now there's more to the story, but that's in the next chapter. And we will stop there and have our deacon prayer time.